We will be looking at both these passages this morning, so have your Bibles open to Jeremiah first, and then we'll look at the passage in 1 Peter. And following the service, I'll be up here with another elder and be happy to pray for you. So if there's something that uh, stirs in your heart from this passage or this sermon or song or just you're trying to get ready for 2020, we'd be happy to pray for you about whatever might be on your mind. So this morning, the question I want us to consider was up on the screen during the reading, are you ready? Are you ready? Am I ready? Is, is the church ready? We stand here on December the 28th and we're at the edge of uh, a new year, edge of a new decade, 2019 to 2020. And are, are you ready for God to pick you up and plunge you into a new year, plunge you into a, a new decade? And I'm getting this question from both the text in Jeremiah and Peter. After Jeremiah, after God tells Jeremiah what he's going, what he's done, verses 4 through 10, if you look at verse 17, then he turns to Jeremiah and he says, but you, Jeremiah, dress yourself for work, arise, or get ready. I've told you about myself, I've told you about my relationship to you, now I need you to do something, I need you to get ready. Peter does the same thing. He, he, in this very opening of his letter, he tells them about who they are in, in Christ, in God. And then in that final verse, 13, so get ready, get ready. And so that's my question, are, are you and I ready? First thing I want to do is just examine some parallels between the opening of Jeremiah and the opening of 1 Peter make some comments on that, and then look at three suggestions that Peter gives us so that we can be ready. So first of all, let's just look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah was born into a decaying society. If it was dusk when Jeremiah was born, it was dark when he died. So over the course of Jeremiah's 60 or 70 years, it went from dim light to to no light. And his name means the Lord throws or the Lord hurls. So somehow in the picture in my mind, God sees this descending darkness. He picks up a javelin. That's the person of Jeremiah. And he throws him into that time period. He's picked up Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, I I have particularly made you to to penetrate this darkness. And before he tells him to get himself ready, he needs to remind Jeremiah of who he is. He wants to say to Jeremiah, I want to make sure you know who I am first. Before you do anything, you need to know something about me. And these are 
crucial things that you and I need to remember. Verse 5, before I, for, I formed you, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Jeremiah, before your parents knew you, I knew you. Before anybody in the world knew you, I knew you. Jeremiah, your beginning doesn't begin with your parents. Your beginning doesn't begin with your birth. Jeremiah, your beginning begins with me. You've got to have that locked down, Jeremiah. That your beginning, I have you in my hand. I formed you together. I knew you. It's a, it's, a, it's a term of endearment. It's a term of intimacy. Jeremiah, before anybody knew who you were, I've totally set my affection on you. So no matter how dark it gets in the world that I'm throwing you into, I need you to remember I have my hand on you. I have my hand on you from beginning to end. And I don't just have my hand on you. I've set my affections on you. Second, I've consecrated and appointed. These sort of big words, consecrated in the Hebrew word, is the word for holy or set apart. I've, I've set you apart for a particular mission. I've appointed you. I, the, the word, again, in the Hebrew is to give. Jeremiah's arrival on the scene in human history is not an accident. God has set his affection on Jeremiah. He's set him apart. He's hurled him into the darkness, and he's hurled him as a gift. I'm throwing my servant into the dark world as a gift. Now, we can clearly see a shadow of Jesus Jeremiah is purposely thrown into a decaying, dark world by divine design. It's not a mistake. It's not a bummer of a time that he lived in. This is divine design just for you, Jeremiah. And the same is true for you. You've been formed and specifically designed for this time, not 100 years ago, not 100 years from now. Not a culture that was this way or will be that way, but right now. And then notice how Jeremiah responds. This is such a great biblical pattern and something I could definitely appreciate. Jeremiah hears all this stuff, verse 4, verse 5. And then he says, verse 6, Lord, Lord, uh, behold. In other words, God, there's something you probably don't see. I've made an assessment of of your call, but I want you to know something that possibly you've overlooked. I don't really know how to speak. I'm just a young man. I'm not the one who can go out into this dark, decaying world. I'm not a good good communicator, and plus, I'm young. Nobody's going to listen to me anyway. So Jeremiah gets kind of a stern forceful reminder from the Lord. Verse 7, I, you can underline all these, I, I sent you. I command you. I am with you. I have put my words in your mouth. Verse 9, verse 10, I have set you over nations and kingdoms. Jeremiah, your assignment has never been about you. 
Your assignment is about me. And because I have set my affections on you, because I have designed you, because I have hurled you out into the world, because I am going to be with you, because I am going to give you the words to speak, then you don't have to worry about your youth or how well you communicate. Because the whole assignment, Jeremiah, you got to have this locked down when it gets dark. When you get thrown into a cistern and they roll that rock over the top of the cistern, which happens to Jeremiah, you need to know, I threw you into this moment. I'm holding on to you. God says to Jeremiah, I'm in complete control. Now, now that you know all this, verse 17, you dress yourself for work. You, you get ready. It, it, Jeremiah, in order for you to be effective as I throw you into the darkness, I need you to do something. This is, this is a partnership here, how God's designed us to work together with him. And you need to get yourself ready. The literal Hebrew is to gird up your loins. You probably are familiar with the Old Testament and the New Testament, you know, robes that men would wear. So these long tunics, and when they had to run, when they had to spring into action, you'd have to, you have all this extra material you have to do something with, so you would pull it up and tie it in some kind of knot, or you would tuck it into a belt to, to get it out of the way. You don't want any extra baggage. You don't want anything to hinder you from moving into action. And so he's looking at Jeremiah and says, Jeremiah, you've got some extra stuff here that we don't need for my mission. And I need you to, to get yourself ready. You're going to have to tuck some of this stuff in. You're going to have to get rid of these things that are, that are tripping you up. So you don't, you don't get tripped up in your movement going forward. So God is in complete control. Jeremiah plays a role. And Jeremiah's first responsibility before he goes out into the culture is to get himself ready. First Peter. The year is 63 AD. Peter is the, the known leader of this fledgling little group called the church. And this new group of followers of Jesus are dispersed across the, the Roman Empire in 63 AD. And they have to learn how to live out their faith in what I would call a cultural war zone. This would have been a very difficult time to live as a Christian. Uh, primarily, your life was on the line, but just the whole culture was collapsing, and, and it could have easily collapsed the church. And so Peter, he writes this letter to be an encouragement. He says, I, kn I know this darkness. I've, I'm living in it myself, and I want to encourage these believers. Now turn with me to 1 Peter, the very end of the chapter Chapter 5, it's just a couple of pages over, verse 13. Here's his closing. Notice what he, Peter says. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, chosen sends you greetings. Now, this is kind of odd. She, who's she? She is a reference to the church. She, the church. I, Peter is in a church. 
and he's writing from a group of believers to this group of believers, and this church is sending you greetings, and it's at Babylon. Babylon. In the Old Testament, the actual city of Babylon was in modern-day Iraq and had a very powerful, wicked influence. And the way the Babylonian culture worked is that they would go into an area, geographic area, a city, a country, and they would assimilate you. So they would take some portion of your people back to Babylon, and then they would send some Babylonians into your city. And the whole idea was like, the culture is going to press on you to say, everyone has to look the same. Everyone has to get assimilated. Everyone has to live according to the Babylonian culture. Now, if you're like a Star Trek geek, like I am, it's, this is the Borg. You know the Borg. You will be assimilated. This group of people that come and just say, hey, we can't have your distinctiveness in our culture. You're going to get assimilated to the culture. And Peter knows they're underneath this kind of, of pressure. And he feels this. And so he says, hey, she, the church at Rome, but notice he doesn't call it Rome. He says Babylon. Peter is at a church in Rome, and he's saying it's like Babylon. In other words, the Roman culture is trying to assimilate you as well, just like the Babylonian culture. And this culture is the Babylon of today. And trust me, it wants to assimilate you. It doesn't want anybody to look any different in terms of values, those aren't appreciated. Everyone has to think the same, and it's the, the culture is putting pressure on you, putting pressure on me to accept or adopt its values. So Peter, he understands the threat. The threat comes from the government. The threat comes from the education system. The threat comes from the society. And he's encouraging them to stand firm. And notice, first two verses... What's the foundation Peter's going to build? He wants to start right away and say, hey, I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to do some things, but I know it's a dark place, and I need you to know these things about the Father, all in verse, verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2. I need you to know something about God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son, Jesus Christ. Here's our foundation. Such a great way for Peter to do it. I need, we need to go back to God before, before we, the church, get hurled out into this present darkness in the New Testament. we got to know something about God. God Almighty has set his affection on you. You see that? God, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, when you see these words elected according to the foreknowledge of God. I realize that some people break out in a sweat because of these words. But election and foreknowledge, do you not see what Peter is reminding them of? He's reminding them of the same thing he reminded Jeremiah of. Church, before you existed, I set my affections on you. Before you knew me, I knew you. 
I have specifically designed you for this day, for this time. It's all been in my mind, and I I want you to know I have you. I have you in my grip. I, I have you in my hand, and the Holy Spirit is going to sanctify us, which means set apart. He's got a specific design for Jeremiah. He's got a specific design for this early church. He's got a specific design for Christ Community Church in Wilmington in the next decade. He's got a specific design for you. And we're able to stand on this foundation because of Jesus. Because of the sprinkling of his blood. Jesus has set us free. The chains have fallen off. We've walked out of this sinful culture. we're We're in the culture, but we're not chained to the culture anymore. We're not slaves to the culture. We can live in the culture and yet look differently in some way. So whether it's in Jeremiah's day, Peter's day, or today, God's still looking for people. Looking for for people ready to be thrown into the darkness. He's still fashioning people. And Peter says in verse 13, So therefore prepare your minds for action or get ready, be ready. And my question again for us today, just like it was for Jeremiah, just like it was for Peter, For you, are you ready? Are you ready? Ready to be plunged into God's purposes? Not just ready for your retirement or ready for your new career or ready for the next semester. No, ready. Ready for God to put you in play for spiritual purposes. Are are we ready? Now, I want us to say, I want to make a little note here because I think it's crucial that both Jeremiah and Peter started with God. God comes to Jeremiah and says, look, I, I've, I've consecrated you. I've set you apart. I've set my affection on you. I'm doing all this stuff. Peter does the same thing. And it's crucial to remind ourselves about this because performance, our performance doesn't equal God's love. This really has to be something you remember. Your performance doesn't equal God's love. God has formed you. He has elected you. He has set his affection on you. He has set you apart. Set you apart. Full stop. You didn't do anything. He's done that. Now we operate out of the love of God, not for the love of God. This is just, you need to nod your head that you're getting this. Yes, you get this? Because you could leave today and go, I need to get ready. And it's all about me. And if if I don't get ready, then God's not going to love me. That would be the worst thing you could do to lay on your soul in 2020. No, I want you to understand the love of God so you can stand on this platform that's unshakable, that's unmovable. And I want you to operate out of that platform. I don't want you to operate in order to get onto the platform. You're not auditioning for God's love. 
I don't want your next year or your next decade to be an audition and just somehow hoping you're, you're one of the people that gets chosen. I don't know if you saw this article. Uh, it was about the, the Mr. Rogers movie. And, of course, uh, it's popular now, so they go around and interview a lot of people. And one of the people they interview a lot is the wife of Mr. Rogers. And as Mr. Rogers was um, getting towards the end of his life, he was near death. He was a Presbyterian minister. You probably know that. And it, in Revelation, it says at the end, there are the sheep and the goats. The sheep are the ones that are with Christ, and the, the goats are the ones that aren't with Christ. And Mr. Rogers whispers to his wife, am I a sheep? Now, if Mr. Rogers can't be a sheep, then nobody can be a sheep, right? Who's better than Mr. Rogers? But you you feel that question? Have I... Have I auditioned well enough? Have I performed well enough? Now, of course, look, when you're on your deathbed, you can say lots of things. I understand that. But I want you to be locked down tight that, that what I'm going to suggest now isn't an audition for you to get on the stage. God has put you on the stage. Amen. Now that you're on the stage, operate out of that love for him. So now that Jeremiah has been picked up and thrown, now that this church has been picked up and thrown, now get yourself ready. You want to do it because of what God's done, not not to get... Now I'm going to start preaching, so let's move on to this next point. How, How to get yourself ready. Now there's lots of things we could say, but we're just going to take the ones right here from uh, this uh, verse 13 in 1 Peter. First of all, prepare your minds Exact same thing as Jeremiah. It means gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, Peter's looking at this new group of people who have been called out of the darkness into the glorious light of God. They're making up this church. And he uses the same word picture as, he, as God gave Jeremiah. And, but this time he's saying, you need to gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, there's some debris in your mind that's hindering you. There's some extra material we've got to get rid of in order for you to spring into action. And I wonder if you could think of some debris in your mind that needs to be jettisoned. Probably you can. You got too much clutter up there, Paul. You, you've still got some old loves from the world and we've got to get rid of those things. So, so when I need you to spring into action, you're, you're ready. You got to shovel some things out. So are you mentally ready for action? Just think about the last decade for you. 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 40. Have you cleared up things in your mind? Have you made space? Have you gotten rid of clutter and and put in the the jewels of the word of God so that when God is ready for a particular moment, you're ready? Or do you have all this debris because you've just been binge eating on the culture? You're the the Netflix binger. You can't get off Twitter and text. You're full of Facebook and Fox News. You know everything about all those things. 
But those things don't ready you for spiritual warfare. And Peter knows that. So he's, he's saying you got to gird up the loins of your mind. Now, I used this quote a few weeks ago from a new book called Faith for Exiles. And it's really written for 20s and 30-somethings who have to learn to live in a new generation, this generation of technology. And it says this, if literal Babylon were around today, it's interesting he picks that up, the internet would be in the imperial toolbox. So if there was a Babylon today, and there is, it's this current culture, in the toolbox is the, the internet. A new empire is knocking at your door, trying to reprogram you. And many of us, listen, are cheerful participants in our own colonization. Cheerful, oh, this is so beautiful. And now I'm stuck. And I can't see anything past my little four-inch screen. We are willingly held captive. Now we're all residents of digital Babylon. You better learn how to resist. So how you do on that? How are you doing resisting the culture? How are you doing in preparing your mind? This fits perfectly with the Apostle Paul says, Romans 12, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Renew means to, to renovate, to shovel old things out, to bring in new valuable things. One way that happens, Jesus says in John 17, sanctify them, set them apart in the truth. Your word is the truth. This is how you renovate your mind. I was listening to a podcast this past week, and it was about discipleship. And they said, kind of, kind of a drum roll, we're going to give you the number one curriculum for discipleship at the end of the broadcast. So you're listening. You know, you're thinking, oh, somebody, some, some, some group put together some booklet that's the life-changing. What was it? The Bible. It's the number one curriculum for renovating your mind for discipleship. So this, this coming semester, I meet with a small group. I'm a small group leader. Six guys in their 20s, all married, no kids. So we're going to do some renovation in the next five months. We're going to read through the book of Colossians. We're going to read a book called Knowing God by J.I. Packer. We're going to memorize two sections of Scripture. And so I, I think of myself on those Friday mornings as a little subcontractor coming into their minds. We're going to do a little renovation project. What about you? I mean, you hear it, get ready, but then you got to do, you got to, you got to get ready. You got to do, put some things in place. You got to say, I'm putting myself in the way of the, these things to get ready. Second thing he says, be sober minded or self-controlled is the way it says. Peter uses the same word in chapter five, verse eight of the, of the chapter. Be sober minded, be watchful. I love how he says, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour 
It's like the culture seeking to devour you. So Peter, the pastor, has this plea, be sober-minded. Don't, don't keep drinking from the culture, which causes, which causes you to lose your balance, causes you to, to become cloudy in your thinking, causes you to, to be sleepy. Who, who better than Peter would know the detriment of falling asleep at a critical moment? Peter, oh, Peter. Peter, James, John. Jesus says, can you come with me? I'm getting hurled into a darkness you don't know anything about. I'm in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I need the three main disciples to stand like soldiers just to, to hold me up. We're not going to be able to change the course of events, but I'm going, I feel like I'm going down, and I just need you, Peter, to be the rock that your name is. And, and here's what I need you to do. Don't fall asleep. Doesn't seem like a high request, does it? But he wasn't ready. Wonder if you're ready. Ready to be hurled into these dark moments, dark lives, dark situations? Or have you been sleeping? Is there something physically, emotionally, relationally, mentally that's hindering you? It's like, it's like the tunic. It's just wrapped around you in some way, and it just keeps causing you to fall. After one iron leadership this semester, a young man came up to me and he says, I have something in my mind that always cripples my relationships. They start out good, but something happens and my relationships get crippled and I'm doing the damage and I can't help it. Can you help me? See, this is a, I was so proud of this young man. It was a very sober-minded assessment. I see I'm getting tripped up by something in my past, and I need help getting out of it. Would you help me? Sober-mindedness. Finally, fix your eyes. Fix your hope fully on Jesus. He's, he's the hope. All, all, all the other things of this world are going to fade away, but he's the hope. Uh, yes, you're aware of things that are happening right now. You might be happy about them, might be unhappy about them. But, but what fills up the, the, the screen of your life is the hope of Christ. As we said in Hebrews, throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and fix your eyes. Fix your eyes on Christ. Let go. Let, let go of these things. Anything you need to let go of. There's a guy who uh, likes watching birds. And I guess that's okay. I mean, that's fine if you want to like watch birds. Not down on that. And he's on vacation. He wrote about it. And he said, I watched for a week these chicks get fed. And while I was there, it was time for them to learn how to fly. So the mom gets them up all on this little branch. I think there's three or four of them. And uh, she stands at one end of the branch, and she starts doing this. 
And one by one, they, they drop off. Of course, they're old enough. She knows they're fly. Last one loosens his grip a tiny bit, swings upside down, and then regrips. So he's hanging upside down now. <laughs> I got you, Mom. I can't let go. What does the mom do? Starts pecking his feet. <laughs> you got somebody who pecks at your feet to say, hey, it's time to let go. It's just time to let go. Let's not bring that into 2020. Let's not bring that into to a new decade. Let's get ready. Let's be ready. This, this thing that you think is life-giving, it's, it's death. And it's time to let that thing finally go and fix your eyes on Jesus. He, he has you. He, he made you. He set his affection on you. He put you in this particular time. So are you ready? Are we ready, Christ community, for the next decade? The first thing you have to have locked down is God loves you. He has a divine plan. He plans to hurl you out into the darkness. He's going to hold you, and he's going to get you all the way through to you coming home. So whatever you do, you're not auditioning for God's love. Already have that. But now that you have it, from that love, are you ready to embrace a new year? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for these people, many of whom you've used in significant ways in the last decade. But for all these people, you, you have put them in their particular place, whether it's a home, a business, a city, a family, a church. You have, you have hurled them out, and I pray that they would, we would know your love, your affection for us. And out of that, we would get ourselves ready. We would we'd let go of the things that are hindering us and, and fix our eyes on Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.